Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always to discuss the insane amounts of racing that we have seen from around the world in the last week is my dear friend Sarah. How are you Sarah? I am good. Yeah, it's been, I mean, uh, three races I watched on Sunday, Dan. It, I think it was actually almost too much. Like there was this Insane. moment where it was like, oh, if, if, yeah. if like, if like, if, if, if the two races overlap, I think I'm going to, I had both two, uh, two races on one on either side <laughs> is split screen on my laptop. So I had two races up. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm not sure I could cope with a third one right now, you which is interesting. Like, this, mm. is, this is the funny thing to me, is that we are actually rapidly approaching the point where you could run a women's cycling-themed sports bar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and have, have, have amazing... and have amazing Yeah, have, like, sports. big screens for every race. Like, yeah. And that would be it's, really cool. I would go to that bar. Just, just so you know, I would go to that bar. Oh, I was talking to this dude who was also watching roller derby at one point as well. So he had three screens. <laughs> which was, oh, this is this is this is a bit. This is a bit. You know, we've oh, got to kind of really test ourselves. So yeah. Well, actually, on the on the on the topic of of you know um, uh, people talking to us, I do just want to give a special shout out to and thanks to everyone who heaped abuse on me for not watching Philly live. So <laughs> love you all, you fucking assholes. You great. <laughs> You really, I mean, yeah, okay, so whatever. That race started at like 3.30 in the morning for me on a work day. Like, I think if it had been any other night but Sunday nights, I would have joined in with the abuse, yeah, to be honest. Well, uh, and look, maybe, maybe Monday night too, but no, yeah. The other thing I realised actually is, because remember in previous years, like was it last year where we did live commentary for Philly? Yeah. Um, because in previous years... We've actually had a public holiday on that weekend, so I've had Mondays off. But oh, no, reason, but... this year, it's actually this coming weekend. No, you know what it is as well? It's in previous years, because Philadelphia Classic is like, it's the 33rd year of the race this year. Yep. So it's a long-established race. It's a lovely, lovely race. But they but they have a men's race on the same day as the women's. And this, you know, we've talked before about the Ina Yoko Teutenberg calling the men a bunch of pussies yeah. when they started before the women and the women overtook them. Um, but yeah, in previous years, the women, the men's race has been second, has been the main event. Yep. So the thing that was really, really special about this was that they last year we could do it as well because it wasn't three in the morning. It was something like, you know, midnight till 2.30 or something, you know, yeah, 11 till yeah. 2.30. So it was more doable for you. So it's kind of like... It is fantastic that it was presented as the main event, the biggest race of the, of the weekend, the excitingest race of the, of the weekend. But it's a bit gutting for Antipodeans. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, the truth is, though, that for us, there are very few time zones in which it's good to, to watch cycling, like, you know, in terms of ideal, ideal times. Um, you know, so that's just part of our lot in life and it's okay. But yeah, I, I mean, I would have loved to watch that race live. I mean, I, I watched, um, the replay and it was very cool. Um, I love Philly anyway. Like it's just a, it's just a great, like I, to me, it's an iconic American race. Like it's just really cool. Um, yeah it's i mean it's a bit of a crunchy feed but they went over it had brad sona who's lovely he's a really nice dude and laura van gilder former racer who raced philly and um some of the bloke uh chad andrews i think um and laura van gilder it was really sweet when sometimes the guys would say something and she'd be very polite and sweet but basically going yeah you're wrong yeah. Um, well actually that <laughs> was a kind of really sweet say. lovely way yeah yeah no she was she was fantastic it was super interesting to me 
And like, okay, so time out. Dear America, I love you dearly. You're very cool by me. It's okay. Um, but I'm about to say some things you may find confronting or hard to hear. So, you know, I say it with love, love, Dan. Time back in. Um, how American were those fucking dudes with their commentary? I know. Like, up the last climb, I don't want to give anything away yet, but, you know, they're like, she's broken it, she's cracked it, she's a, there's a girl, you know, and it's just like, um, yeah, like, it's, it's, like, it's cool, and that is probably how the race is going to be won, but it's not like a scream, oh my god, we're witnessing history here, sort of thing, like, it's, it's, you know, it didn't need that level of reaction. I, there, was also, there was also kind of this thing about the world's greatest bike riders are here. It's like, yeah, without Mariana Voss and, uh, oh, well, and, and <laughs> Lizzie Armstead and so Emmy Hansen. Also, the, I, love how, <laughs> I love how they're like, and she's won a world tour. No race, just a world tour. <laughs> it was. Um, no, it was. I. It's. It's just. It is. I mean, I think that they're. They're a lot less. Um, they're a lot less. Um, crazy than in in Winston Salem. Whenever the um the bike the the road race and the national championships. Whenever they uh they 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 went the the camera went through the start finish line. You could hear the dude who does the calling on the side of the race losing his absolute shit and screaming and screaming and screaming to the point where you're thinking this guy is literally going to have some kind of embolism. His veins. <laughs> The veins in his neck are gonna pop yeah, right before yeah. the, right before the crowds, and he's gonna be like they're gonna just like these small children are gonna see his head explode. It's gonna be like um uh oh, I've forgotten the name. Damn it! Oh god, iconic iconic bad film Scanners. It's gonna be exactly like Scanners, where people's heads fall off. Yeah, yeah. I'm, exactly. I'm not sure you've seen Scanners because ah, ah, ah. you know you're not yeah, very no, good no. on pop culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually literally had that argument just before we started recording, so. <laughs> That was a nice bit of revenge from Sarah. <laughs> so should we talk about finish? Should we talk about the race? So um, the race, it was six laps. Um, yep. I can't remember how many kilometres each lap is because um, I'm rubbing. It's, it's... it's roughly 18 something kilometres because I think it's 12.6 miles. Because being an American race, all the commentary is in miles, which is fucking Which super... is confusing. And I should I should be, you know, bear in mind I live in Britain where all the road signs are in yeah, miles. Yeah, the most American so country better. in the world. You know, with um, all the American systems. But, but. but because I grew well, no, because you grow up, if you, if you grow up like me doing running and swimming, everything's in meters. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I, I live in meters and kilometers. So, yeah, so it's kind of an interesting course because it's it's like it loops around, it goes over Lemon Hill, where they had some fantastic Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter banners. Yeah. Which was, which was awesome. I'm like, yeah, I love you, Philadelphia. So Lemon Hill is kind of a curved climb over this park, I guess. Um, and then it kind of comes, swoops back into Philadelphia. Um, yeah. into, and, it, and, it, and the interesting part of the course is the bit that you don't really get to see because most of it is in these gigantic, late, you know, four-lane roads. And these aren't just lanes like, you know, a little Belgian lane over a hill or a British yeah. lane twisting yeah. around the corner. These are like gigantic, great no, big these lanes. Are like, these are like American lanes. And also almost all of these roads have, I guess what would normally be a parking lane as well. So like you've got two traffic lanes, but there's this big shoulder where cars would park or something as yeah. well, you know, and, and some of them have, you know, painted bike lanes and stuff, which is cool. Go Philly. Um, but you know, like it's just, it is, I know we say this every year, but it is actually one of the signature things of this particular race is that the roads are fucking huge. 
Yeah, but the interesting thing is, so the Maniunk Wall, we've talked about this before, but it's a it's a hill that when the Philly Classic race organisers were looking through Philly, they basically, it didn't have a bike race culture in it. This isn't like, it's just like a street in a neighbourhood. But they basically went around all the streets trying to find a really good street to put a climb on. And so they found this, this the Maniunk Wall. Um, they just found it, named it, and became it. And it's 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 narrow for it's narrow for Philly because it's like what two lanes I think. But it's but the thing is 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 the bottom bit it comes off quite a tight bit in the bottom where there's two corners to come into it. So you go kind of sharp corner, sharp corner under some railway bridges, and it's quite it's quite slippery um, uh, road surface. And it kind of narrows from like three lanes down to two lanes and it's quite and it's a very technical section. But you don't often get to you, when we've seen it on videos and stuff, we haven't really got to see that section because it's rightly they pull the um, they pull the camera, they pull the motorbikes away from the bike riders because bike riders can take those kind of those kind of um, uh, technical sections much, much faster than a motorbike can. So it's because, you know, they're just they're just much more um, maneuverable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it so you don't get to see the hardest part of the course, and then they hit the wall. So it's one of those things where, although it's not quite that um, Drenta, incredibly tiny, incredibly tight, very narrow turn onto a cobbled path or whatever, it's still got that same sort of principle of right. Yeah, the most complicated part is before the climb, and then you climb up. And it's yep. not the hardest climb in the world. It's not. We're not talking about about murder hui, but it's still no, tough. But it's- it's a good punch and yeah. you know it's got several ramps to it and it is the definitive climb of the race. Yeah, and sprinters can um sprinters can you know get to the get can get to the top of it if they're kind of in the right place and stuff like that. So for years and years and years for the 32 years or whatever the Philly Classic was um raced where the Maniunk Wall was in the middle of the race and it ended with a sprint and so it was always always won by Germans from the British side, Petra Rosner and Inigo Teutenberg. And an American had never won it until they decided to change the race and finish it on the Maniunk Wall, um, which first started in 2013 when it was won by Evelyn Stevens. Yep. Um, and you look at, but you look at who did who did what in that race. And so Shelley Olds was fourth. Shelley Olds is a kind of classics rider, kind of sprinty, sprint, but she's more of a sprinter. Joel Newman, Joel Newmanville in second. She's again a tough sprinter. So these aren't they're not like pure sprinters, if you know what I mean. They're just like they're tough sprinters. Yep. Then when you look at it, last year it was uh, sorry in 2014 it was Evelyn Stevens with Lech Albrecht and Lauren Hall. Again, Lauren Hall is is a kind of tough sprinter in third. Yep, so it's yep. kind of like so it's it, and then last year it was um won by uh by lizzie armitstead with elisa longo borghini second alina amulusi as you'd expect you know from from climbing classics types but with shelly olds uh fourth and corin rivera in fifth mm. so it's kind of like and you know corin rivera is definitely a kind of pure sprinter type so it's a really interesting climb because it's tough as hell and they make it tough but it's not like a it's not like a um, uh, how to say it. it's not like a, 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 a an iconic climb if you know what I mean. But it's it's more something that you can do. It's it's one of those climbs you basically sprint up if that makes any sense at all. But of course, your climbing types, your Evan Stevens, your Lizzie Armitstead, your classics types have the advantage on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, particularly your classic types. I mean, you know, it's not 
as you say, it's not pure climbers. It's not your it's not your Mara Abbots or, or whatever, but your your rollers, your punchy climbers, and even I mean, if she were there, your Vosses who could make it. Decent. Oh, it would be perfect for Voss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would be a perfect race for Voss, but yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, but 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 you can kind of imagine like a rider like Ellen Van Dyke, for example, would do quite well on it. Whereas you'd never say that about um, you know you, you'd imagine Ellen being in the top five, for example. Whereas you'd never imagine that in 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 a proper climbing race or something like um, f- Flesh. Although now I'm thinking she probably has come fifth in Flesh, but you know, oh well, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's it's. It's also a race where there's a very definite script, um, even though it's only been, you know, this is this is the fourth time it's come up the manual wall. The script is that they basically riders will try and escape and try and attack and then it'll end with a sprint, massive dash sprint up the wall with lots and lots of attrition because it was quite an interesting field because... Although it's a road world, a road, a women's world tour. What I've loved about the world tour races is that it hasn't been like all all the right all the top riders in all the all the races. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't in the beginning in the first section, which was a classic section where they're all very close together and they're all you know kind of strade and flesh and races you wouldn't miss. It's pretty much the same big names, although you know Lizzie Armitstead didn't ride, did, didn't didn't. I don't think she raced all of them, but like you know you you didn't have you you had pretty much the same you know the same big names. You knew that you'd have your Emma Johansons and your um, you know and 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 Lizzie Arm and uh, you know riders like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Once since they've moved out of Europe, it's been a different set of people racing and riding. And I like that. I like, you know, Tour, Tour of Chongming Island didn't have the same big names. Yeah, um, yeah. You're, you know, you didn't even have Orica in the in the Amgen Tour of California. And although yeah. there was Voss there, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't Armistead. And then this one, there were some teams with only four riders. So Wiggle High Five only had four riders because yeah, uh, yeah, they'd, exactly. they'd had... Um, They'd had Lucy Garner. Oh, poor Lucy Garner had been had broken her, her cracked some ribs yeah. in uh in 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 a, in, a, in a crash and uh and Mayuko Hagawara is is out is out sick so they haven't got replacements. Yeah. Bowles Dolman's only had four riders in yeah. there. Yeah. Um, BTC City Ljubljana only had four riders, so that made it quite interesting to me because it meant that you're going to start with. You you always you start with so you kind of sit there going well the big teams in inverted commas like the teams who I think would be the you know your wiggles your your bowls only have four riders relative to the six riders of Canyon Shram and um, you know United Healthcare but also all the domestic squads you know your Tipcos and your 2016s and and those kind of teams so it was quite it's quite interesting you know Silence only had four, five riders. So it was. It was a kind of that. I, I I did wonder if that would change the um, dynamic. Well, I mean, absolutely. It, it's one of those, I guess, broader questions that's hung over the whole season to a certain extent. Because you know, I mean, we've said before the the year really kicked off in February. You know that particularly to people who are new to the sport, it's hard to overstate how significant an Olympic year is in women's cycling. And Mm. it changes everything from, as we've discussed previously, you know, the unexpected pop-up races to get UCI points before the cutoff to um, training programs and, and, um, you know, targeted peaks and, and stuff 
changing. Um, you know, and and to that end, we've seen an interest, you know interesting articles come out this week, like uh, Ella, I think it was, who had um, a whole thing of um, teams that, like for example, Orica aren't going to the Giro Rosa this year, which you know is a huge call. But in an Olympic year, and given the the likely makeup of their team, they felt that Touring and Rundfart would be better preparation. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's hard to overstate how unique these years can become and you know that's part of what we're saying seeing but at the same time we're also as you say um i think seeing the the first really tangible moves now that we've got the world tour um towards genuine growth and globalization in women's cycling too in the sense that you don't have to send your european team to every race in the world you know, um, it's opening up a bit more and it's it's giving room, you know, or when you do, you send a smaller team. And and so I think in a lot of ways, exactly as you say, it's helping us to um, find a refreshed sort of narrative about a lot of races too, because it's not just your, your absolute top three, you know, high-profile riders going to every single thing and winning every single thing. We're getting new narratives. We're getting different riders. We're getting different teams. We're getting different styles. And, you know, broadly speaking across the whole thing, and and I guess this is my main point about Philly is, you know, it's a reasonably... um, Given the current parkour, it's a reasonably predictable race in terms of style. Um, But I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I say, I love Philly. I really enjoy it. And... And I like, to me, it's a distinctive part of American racing. I never want it to go away. Yeah, and this is the interesting thing about globalisation, you know, when you say it said globalisation there, is that the, what I don't want is on the men's world tour, every world tour team has to ride every race. Mm, mm. And so globalisation just well, means these different, you know, the same teams going around and racing in different parts of the world. And I want to, I don't want that. I want to see riders like Huang Tingying um, from Chinese Taipei winning stages at a world tour race, you know, because, yeah. and, and that's partly because the field is smaller. You know, I don't think, I don't think Huang would win um, in, you know, in, 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 in Ishiwok tour yeah, or something. Yeah. However, I don't think that's a bad thing either. No, I think it's a no. amazing thing that yeah. the, the other riders get the chance to, you know, and maybe maybe in a couple of years' time, Huang will come over and, and be racing and, you know, have some experience yeah. racing in Europe. And then maybe in a couple of years' time, she'll be racing like, 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 exactly. like Hagiwara did. And, and exactly. And that's that's kind of how that's how real growth happens is, you know, it doesn't follow a nice linear curve. It doesn't follow this simple plan there are peaks and valleys there are you know wild variations in different things and i think giving the sport the freedom to do that and as you say like it would be in my opinion the biggest mistake ever to require every you know uci pro team to go to every world tour race because i i don't think we need that i think we can get more than enough from you know a a much more open structure that actually helps the sport globally grow not just as an international sport, but at those sort of regional slash national levels. You know, I think it's great mm-hmm. that there are emerging Chinese and Southeast Asian races, Tour of Thailand and so on, you know, um, and, and um, races in Taipei and, and all of those, those sorts of things. I like that we're seeing oceanic races coming back. I like that we're getting better South American races. And to me, when we say globalization, that we're getting races in South Africa, that we're getting races in Israel, 
when mm, yeah yeah you just pick you you have just picked my two olympic pop-up issues though yeah like look and i get that but my point being that that with the potential of this style of globalization maybe those actually become more permanent fixtures and actually contribute to developing better racing scenes and if that's the case then i'm very happy for that yeah yeah i mean this is the thing i guess the difference is is those south african races that happened last year only purely for olympic points and are not going to happen again for four years i don't like that and i you know and the same with this with the israeli races it was very clear that the, the um the, the cyprus and israel got their olympic road race spots because of those that those those three those three israeli races now i'm i'm more confident with the israeli races because i suspect they're the same organization organizer that was putting on the um syrian with the, the syrian. yeah <laughs> <laughs> the golden races yes yeah the golden races you know for years you yeah. know which were on the calendar for years and years just never raced for obvious reasons <laughs> so you know and and you know, and there's still and, and having races in Israel means something different too because you know there's still parts of Israel and, and, and Palestine where women where women aren't 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 supposed to ride bikes you know there's there's like there's a lot of you know there's a lot of that kind of kind of fundamentalist stuff going yeah, on yeah. where where okay we don't want women to ride bikes so having a bike you know it's a bit like Qatar that although Qatar as a country has big issues about human rights and the rights of women and human rights and you know, uh, I uh, having a women's bike race there kind of is quite in, is an interesting political stance. You know what I mean? That that it's it's like it's not like having a race in I don't know. I'm trying to think of a country like Malaysia or a country like um, uh, uh, you know I don't know New Zealand or somewhere. Sorry, I just I, you know not non traditional cycling countries. You know yes. it's. Yes. But anyway, I'll just stop now. Um, <laughs> all, so, all four of our Kiwi listeners yeah. are about to send you very outraged but incredibly polite emails. So. <laughs> <laughs> that said, um, it was a it, so Philly. It's kind of this really interesting race, and the interesting thing is watching the endless and endless and endless attacks. And one of the things that really surprised me is very early on, Mara Abbott was out a lot, and I don't think I've ever seen Mara Abbott race for teammates like that. And that's not necessarily criticism for Abbott. It's just that she's normally a team leader. You know, she normally only races in the context of being a team leader. Yeah, yeah, and- exactly. And oh, look, it's one of those ones that stood out to me as well. And I found interesting for a couple of reasons, not least because... Um, I mean, yeah, as you say, it's significant for Mara, but it's also, to me, at least a little bit symbolic in the sense of we've often, particularly at Worlds and and um, so on, and I guess an Olympic year would be talking again about, you know, countries that traditionally have problems with tactics. I'm also looking at you, Australia. Um <laughs> in in road races you know and so it's kind of nice to see uh you know i i don't want to i don't know how big a step it is but an evolutionary step forward in american race tactics so well she was racing for wiggle high five i was just surprised i couldn't work out whether she was racing for elisa longo borghini or whether she really thought that she could do a solo breakaway that started in lap one or lap two look honestly either way though like it's something very different for her and yeah um, and, yeah yeah and, and, and I mean, that's, she, she, that's what i'm alluding to and sort of impressed she's either she's either the team the team you know she's either the team protected rider or she's completely anonymous in races is mm. what i found or you know and, yeah, and she's, so had, she's had a lot of traditional bad luck well i don't know if it's bad luck but you know like like you don't 
in in world championships for example when i think of mara abbott racing in the world championships usa national team i don't think of her being um lucinda brand or 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 Amelia Fulin or or someone like that or or, or Elisa Longo Borghini. You know, I don't yeah, see yeah. her in those roles where she's where she's going out and really making the race and she knows she's going to blow up by the middle of the by the middle sure, of the race. Sure. So this was a and I mean and so and again as you say, like it's a major step, you know, it's it's a change for her. And it's one that I very much welcome. Um but I also um, I tend to just my personal view of it tend to err towards the side of believing that she was working for Elisa because as we said earlier like Manny Young it's not a Mara climb it's not a Mara race like and and I don't think even Mara would have the hubris to to think that she could you know attack in the first or second lap and and hold on no, I mean, uh, the, the I mean, the other thing I wonder about is: is this is change in her riding, or is this that is this like one race wonder to look to the Olympics? Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't put Mara Abbott in my Olympic team, um, because because it's the Olympic course. Although it's got those climbs, they have the climb has a break in it halfway up. Um, and so it kind of has a kind of plateau bit and a break and, and the descents are as important as the climbs and there's a long gap between the end of the climb and the descent and so um, Abbott isn't the rider I'd pick like for the American lead, lead rider yeah, yeah. And, and because she, and because you know because she can't point to look at where I've done and this is partly because she doesn't race very much with her you know she, she races in the states where she's the protected rider for a small put together team or she you know or she or she races in the Giro where she's like a team leader or you know it's 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 interesting do you know what I mean it's it's like she doesn't have she can't point to these races and say to the selectors look you should pick me in the way that you know um uh Lauren Stevens could or something like that or or Taylor Wiles could or or Carmen Small could so I think there was a bit of that but anyway lots and lots of attacks it's very very attritional lots of riders dropped dropping off really fascinating because it's very wide roads on the one hand you don't have to have that thing where you have to be fifth wheel because if you're not fifth wheel continually an attack will go and you'll miss it but what you do have to have is 360 degree um radar because attacks can go literally anywhere along these four and and lanes. you did actually see that several times through the course of the race where someone would pull like way left or way right and you know sort of pass through a shadow of a tree and it was kind of like they you know traveled through some sort of weird portal or something and fucking <laughs> appeared like 20 meters ahead and everyone was like oh fuck an attack from like three blocks away you know it was yeah. and and that's what i mean when i say you know when we say um, you know, the roads are huge. It, this is the thing. Like, yes, I'm not saying, like, yeah, American cities have smaller roads, they have lanes, they have alleys, they have, you know, all that sort of shit. But this particular race does hit a lot of large two, three-lane roads. And and when we say that, we're talking, you know, three lanes each direction sort of thing, mm. you know, with a big natural divider and all of that sort of shit. And, and so... It does change, you know, when you're used to seeing riders race up these sort of narrow one and a half lane, you know, or two tight lane sort of streets and, you know, they've got this this kind of room to move. It does change the, the dynamic of things a little bit and it's really interesting to watch because it also, I think, makes a lot of riders a bit more... Um, spirited you know a bit more chancy a bit more willing to risk it you know they'll have a dig and see if they can get away with it 
And I mean, mm. we're talking in the context of women's cycling here, where literally nobody's afraid to have a go anyway. So, <laughs> and they did, and they did, and they did, and they did, and it was awesome, and it was very awesome seeing. And the the thing is, is is it's not just because you'd look at this and you'd think, okay, the big American teams are UHC, United Healthcare, and Silence is an American team, and you know, and 2016. But it was also, as has been through this entire mini UCI season, it was also the very small Hagen's Berman's team, DNA Dallas, you know, uh, the visit Dallas DNA. That was what I really loved about it was it was like these very very tiny teams going fuck it do or die you yeah. know what I mean they yeah. know that they, they know they're not going to beat the likes of um Alina Amulusic and Lisa Longo Borghini and yeah. Evelyn yeah. Stevens up the manual wall but that doesn't mean they're going to not not try to win the race well and exactly. that was beautiful and, and I love that spirit you know and and as we say like it's it's broadly speaking in women's cycling in general anyway but I, I particularly love that spirit of you know everything on paper says that we don't have a chance so fuck it I'm gonna try now <laughs> Like, yeah, like there yeah. Is, it was... There's literally no concept of give up or sit back or just you know learn what you can or hold on for as long as you can. It's it's the exact opposite. It's fuck it, I'll do something crazy then. Yeah, yeah. and and it was and it was also you know it wasn't it was also it was all kinds of little t- little teams you know and and you had B Pink trying it you know they're a small is a small European team at yeah. Amber Nebbin. but like it was just it was just like there was Scotty Lechuga Lindsay Bear Lindsay Bear's hilarious um, in Hagen's Berman's Brad Sona was laughing because her trademark move is to attack very hard in the first in the, in like the first uh, couple of kilometers and Lindsay um, set up the Hagen Berman squad squad with um, with John John O'Coulter. so it's it's you know it was just there was just so many different new names and you know rally yeah. cycling who 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 are really you know who who last year they were optum presented by kelly benefit strategies and technically they should be a world tour team but a lot of their big name riders transferred out taking their points with them but you know it's just it's just nice to see all these different you know different different kind of people different kind of names and again, that's what I like about it. If if you feel if if all of the pro teams, if all the world tour teams who had invitations had gone, we wouldn't have had the chance to see that. Ali Dragu for twenty sixteen had a really scary looking um a solo solo part solo part, which people had to chase down quite hard. Yeah, yeah, so, and and it was actually that was a really nice little um break on her part. Like she she. Um, you know, like you say, got a decent gap, got out there far enough that they actually had to do some work. And, and you know, and, and then back in the really mercurial sense of it too, like that's great representation for her team and her sponsors, you know, and and that is actually important. You know, it's it's broadcast and time, it could, TV time, it's, you know. And, and it, it was serious enough that it could have won. Yeah. Like that yeah. was the interesting thing was they had to chase hard. The funny thing was though, like I did, I, I thought at one point, well, if Wiggle and and bowls only have four riders each are we going to see a situation where your other teams like like uhc and canyon go you know what you guys especially to bowls who've been completely unstoppable throughout the world tour you're you're chasing man fuck it you're chasing you're chasing you know exactly and wiggle got out of that by having mara out in breaks you know in breaks so much but it's the funny so it comes around like this it comes around like this and and the interesting thing was five laps and it was and it was only on the last climb the penultimate climb that suddenly you started to see these big names because literally i don't think i saw guanye once in that race i don't think i saw a longer i don't think i saw amy lucic and again, suddenly... again, that's not actually unusual for this race either. You know, like, 
like yeah. your serious contenders know to just hang out and wait and yeah and... yeah 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 and they had enough teammates to do it and yeah. it, that was the thing that was fascinating was it was like i expected it to happen in the foot in the fifth at the end of the fourth lap actually so i was a little bit disappointed but in at the end of the fifth lap suddenly the whole race changed everything was just like bang and there was this small group that just went up that climb together and you're like oh there they all are <laughs> <laughs> And so they had a group of about, I want to say, 25 riders. And then they started attacking on the descent out of the Maniunk wall climb, which I love. Yeah. Um, you know, love, 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 love. That's always going to make me incredibly happy. But yeah, that was, um, it's about, I want to say about 30, about, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was just, it just changed. It just changed completely. And yeah. Do you want to talk through the last lap? We won't do it all in, in depth detail. <laughs> um, well, look, the, the, the last lap. So, you know, like... It, it, what's the what's the right way to say it okay so we're talking like 12.6 miles or roughly 18 k's um per lap so you know that's it we come down off the descent and basically everything has come back together and this is when you're you're you know as we've talked about already your 2016 ride biker and and various other teams have all had a bit of a stab they have another go nothing is really being allowed to get away because you know everyone knows this is it this is the lap and also even though this is only the third year we finished on Manny Young Wall we all sort of know now that that's where it's going to end too oh yeah yeah you know and and don't get me wrong I'm not complaining at all about races sort of having their own script I think you know that's a natural part of races and the life of races what I do think is always interesting about that script is that every time there's a script there's someone who's trying to rewrite it and and go fuck it well you know and like we just said you know that's it I'll take my chance now and so what we did and we saw that in Flesh Wallon this year and we saw it with and and, I mean Anna van der Breger is a perfect example of this winning the course last year which should be a bunch of sprints and winning flesh will on from a breakaway. So it wasn't yeah. a sprint. So it wasn't a sprint up the, Oh no, she did that last year. You know, she wasn't a sprint up the, the, the up the, up the, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, if every time there's a script, there's a chance to rewrite that or to do something different. And so, you know, this is where we saw on, on this lap, um, in particular, Canyon Shram um, decided that this was their time. You know, it was very clear that their team plan had been to wait for this lap, to work their way to the front, and then fucking drill it. And mm. holy shit, they drilled it. They strung the peloton out, um, and and they really put the hurt on. The interesting thing to me, though, is that they didn't have a huge amount of time to do that before they started burning their matches and for me it's one of those you know i it's it's basically impossible to say in hindsight but it's one of those things of if they had waited a little bit longer for that move would that move have been more successful and- oh isn't that great is but that was the bit when uh when tipco started when tipco went out super super early mm, mm. and had all their riders on the front and it's like your lunatics. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And and so that's the thing is like Canyon timed it better, but it's hard to say whether or not they timed it perfectly. And and this is this is to me the joy of of trying to pick apart a race after it's happened too is because you know, there's so many variables. It's it's almost impossible to know, or it's basically impossible to know for certain. But there's there's all sorts of great things to sort of consider and think about and and give you an opportunity to sort of relive it, which is really cool. Mm. Um, so for a little while there, it did look like Canyon Shram were, were going to, to, um, sort of decide how the finale was going to go. 
Um, you know, Tiff Cromwell shout out, burnt herself out and just fucking dropped like a stone, even though they were on the flat, um, you know, and, and got through it, but they didn't quite get the gap they needed. And this is the bit to me that really stood out. As you say, we didn't see, you know, any of the really sort of established or obvious contenders, you know, for the first five and a half laps of this race. And then all of a sudden we see, you know, a moment where Megan Guarnier and Evie Stevens are chatting to each other. <laughs> and you're just like, you know, like it's, it's sharks in the water time. Um, and, and so basically they work themselves a little bit forward, but sit in that, you know, like the, the perfect spot somewhere between five and seventh wheel roughly, and and let the let Canyon Shram and the other teams that want to have a go have a go, but they don't let anything get away, and mm. they just nurse it the whole way to the bottom of the wall. And we yeah. take that turn and we hit head under the train tracks, and we get this beautiful little glimpse of a shot. I mean, I know it's not the world's best shot because it's back of a motorbike fucking under, but you know it's nice because it's part of the race that we don't normally get to see or get to see very well, and so I like it. Um, you know, turn onto the wall and start the climb. And hyperbolic, excited American commentators to the side who, you know, guys, I love you, I appreciate it, but, you know, way more than you needed. And let's be honest, in my opinion, like, at that point, dude should always shut up and let the lady expert talk. So, <laughs> you know, it's just my view, even as no, I... No, but no, but that's... You know that that's not how it is, though. You know that that's the job of the lead commentator to do it, and the lady expert is there as colour co commentator. Yeah, look, I do, I do know. That's that's how that's how it works, man. That's that's the, no, that's no, no, the literal it's... official rule. Having, having now commentated two <laughs> races professionally, I'm the expert. Yeah, but no, 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 it's, it's true, and you make a good point, but I don't know. Like, to me, a good lead commentator... Um, you know, like commentary is a team sport, like cycling. Like no, you... no, no, no. That's literally it's literally their job. It's literally their job to to to, to have only one person finishing finishing the race. Yeah, yeah, but I... anyway, let's let's let let's agree to disagree. To I'm not arguing about what happens. I'm arguing about what should happen. That's all I'm saying. I think so. Do it wrong. I thought the finish was really interesting because it I... could be translated two different ways the finish i found super interesting because basically you know long story short we wind up with um yeah, about halfway up the climb evie in front of megan evie stevens has attacked at the bottom of the climb Evie's like they've got the the they've climb. come in they've come into the bottom of the climb first and they megan, just hit it hard they hit it hard megan stays megan's a couple of bike wheels strong. back isn't she yep yep couple of bike wheels back but looking strong and comfortable and all of that sort of shit um elisa longo Bulgini is just behind her um yeah and and basically it's this thing and and you know again it falls into that part of history that we will never know the truth but it's this thing of um you know who's writing for who and is anyone writing for anyone because you know evie attacks she attacks well and you gotta bear in mind like evie's evie's won before and evie's Plus. got her own palm airs and she's got her own 
eye on an Olympic berth, and she's got. And she's also not been had a very good couple of years. Exactly. So you know, right? Like, like, like. No, let, let's just put this in the. I just want to put this into the context of Evie Stevens because people are saying, "Oh, Evie, 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 Evie," before the race started. But you look at her and you're like, "I'm not convinced that she's the lead rider because she's not got like she's she's had she's she not had she, results in the last two years that she, she had, had a podium. She, yeah, she she was on the but she was third overall at the Amgen Tour of California. And last year she was um uh she she had her she was she won the Amdenter of California women's time trial, but that's the invitational time trial. And she was third overall in the tour of New New Zealand last year, but she hasn't had any solo podiums apart from coming third in, in Tour of Cali, which is kind of also off the back of their amazing TTT. So Evie Stevens has got some you know she's going to be feeling bad about how where where her career's going at the moment. She's going to be feeling, and I've heard that this might be her last year as well. So I don't yeah, know if that's look, true. I mean, that's the thing; it's an unconfirmed rumor, but you know, it's not an unbelievable rumor. I mean, as we all know, Evie entered the sport later than is usual. Um, you know, she's recently, well, you know, not so recently, but she got married at the end of last season and and stuff. And and it's not that that ends a career or anything, but you know, the point being your life changes, you know, and so maybe, maybe that desire, maybe that drive is, is waning. And this is her last year because it's an Olympic year or something. I don't know, but it is possible. Anyway, point. But she's not, but she's not the lead. She's not the best American rider in the world at the moment. She's not the best American rider in the world at the moment. And, and I say this with all due love and respect, but she's not even the best American rider on Bowles Dolmans at the moment, you know, like, like that's the thing. And, and so I don't want to unfairly cast aspersions or, or doubt on Evie's motivations or whatever. What I'm trying to say is that she's got really good, really clear reasons to be wanting to go for this herself. And if she feels good, I'm not going to fault her for going for it for herself. No, no. And actually I don't think, and I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the team would either because the team plan, the team plan is, is, you know, bowls. They want what bowls ideally want is every single rider winning a race, winning a major race. They want everyone to do it. They want everyone to have the chance to do it because that just makes, that makes it easier to work for the team. You see it, you saw it with Megan, with Guan Ye, that, that Guan Ye, um, Guanye worked her absolute socks off, and she did this. Like, Guanye yeah, yeah. does not have coming to be team leader easy. You know, no, Guan, no, no one, gives, no one just goes, "Oh, okay, everyone." The plan is that we work for Megan in this race. You know, she's yeah. she has to fight to be team leader, and she has to prove herself to be team leader. But the thing is, is that it's that's what what Bowles wants, and what every team wants, what Rabo Live wants. Uh, you know, my favorite teams, their aim in life is that every single rider wins a race, and ideally, every single rider wins a major race, and that's like. And that's and that's what I like. I love I love that about good teams. In my head, that's what makes you a good team. You know, uh, Wiggle High Five has the same. You know, they want everyone to yeah, win something. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just yeah. So so it's not so so to say that Evie was going. So I think that Evie was going for herself in that in that finale. I think that she was because you know. She... Look, and and this is the thing is I I I can readily believe that she was. I'm not going to. Um, I don't have the same confidence to actually say that I, I think that's the case, um, but I could readily believe that it's the case. That said, I also don't have the confidence to say that I think she was writing for Megan either. Like, like to me, I, like I know fence sitting is pretty annoying, but to me, that's a pure line call. It's it, both are equally as likely because to me, if you're going to accept that she was writing for Megan, then you have to accept she didn't do a great job of it because... <laughs> 
you know, she attacked too hard. She didn't bring Megan with her. She didn't protect Megan. And then when she did drop off, she didn't ride defensively. You know, so again, with with all due respect to everyone, I think both scenarios are equally as likely. And and I don't think, you know, I, I have no problem with either of those. Yeah. So basically... Evie's riding up the hit, riding up Maniunk, and she just cracks, doesn't she? I don't know how far it is, but she. I mean, it she, wasn't. She... It wasn't terrible. It's not like she bonked, but she's definitely cracked. Like she could, you could just see that she didn't have any more, and that she needed an extra kick if she was going to stay at the front. And so yeah. she just. But luckily, right behind her was her teammate Megan Guarnier, who did have an behind... extra kick, <laughs> and behind her, Alina Amialusic and Elisa Longo Borghini. And it suddenly becomes this fantastic race where it's it's like you're like at one point it's like is is Amelusic gaining is she not? But Megan just pulled away and won that race in the most amazing dominant fashion. Just really like just, you know my just... favorite bit about it. My my absolute favorite bit about it was that she didn't storm off like she didn't you know lean right over and chew on the bars and and fucking destroy herself but neither did she just casually ride off as if it was nothing like yeah there was she was working there hard. was, she there was, was real hard. effort and real dominance but there was real confidence and real knowledge of her ability in the way she did it you know it was a it was a strong statement but she put in the effort she needed to but she didn't you know need to ring she herself inside out yeah she like, was yeah, she wasn't yeah. doing that kind of showboating. Uh, and she was very, very careful. She was looking behind, you know, she was making sure that she could look behind her. Yeah. Because with Amia Lusik and Longo Borghini racing super hard for for second, and Amia Lusik had been leading, 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 and Longo Borghini just pipped her on the line for second. Yeah. So it finishes with Guarnier first, three seconds behind Longo Borghini and Amia Lusik, nine seconds behind Evelyn Stevens. And then I'm so impressed with this. In fifth place, Brianna Waller of Tipco, uh, with Heather Fisher of of Raleigh Cycling and Danny, I mean Bri- Brie Waller. A couple of years ago, I first found out about Brie Waller because on my Tumblr I follow someone who was always talking about this is my friend Brie. She's amazing. She's uh-huh. going to be great. She's only she's quite new to racing. She's going to be fantastic. Watch out for her. So I did, and then you know now look at her. She's fifth in the in the in the race, and Brie is a sprinter. You know she's she's and yeah. she's been in the top five I think of of all kinds of races, and she's just. It's just lovely to see a rider, you know, a rider developing and yeah, and and kind of doing, you know, she's only she only started in 2012. And yeah, I, I'm just I'm happy. I'm happy. No, for, happy it's happy it's, for Brie Waller. Exactly. And it's an awesome result. And and Heather Fisher in sixth is also pretty new. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. And then and, Danny King in seventh, which is one of my favorite um, of the top 10 results. And, and this is the thing I think that, you know, touching on what we were saying earlier about globalization and different types of races and 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 you know different makeups of fields and stuff at these races you know this is all part of what i what i mean when i say i like it because you know you get this kind of diversity in the way races play out in tactics and in results and i think that's better for the sport overall than just you know the same five riders dominating everything so yeah 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 um, i they had the podium is hilarious. Podium had instead of podium girls, they had two absolutely adorable little grumpy toddlers who didn't know what was going on, who had carried <laughs> out to kiss everyone. So sweet. They had 
crowns for the for the Queen of the Mountains for which was yeah. won by by, by Mara, Mara Abbott. Um, Chanel Estalia, who's um Salkia, who's who was who's seventeenth, was the best young rider. She won like a thousand and a half US dollars. You know, one and a half grand in US dollars. Uh, Guanye won six thousand eight hundred dollars. Yeah, so you know, yeah. hurrah for Philly Classic. You know, fully you know fully stream uh, fully 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 streams. Yep. The end. The podium was a bit mad because the guy who was doing the podium wasn't the race commentators and i did tweet that when they were talking about elsa borghini longo and um <laughs> well i i actually touching on the commentators then i did get a little frustrated that though what they kept referring to elisa as borghini and it's like it's fucking Longo Borghini. Like, yeah. But like, after, at the end of it, I was saying about her being called Elsa and and, <laughs> and just couldn't say it. And so I said something and then Brad Stoner, who'd been the commentator, sent me an emoji full of knives saying I felt like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was really classic. I mean, I thought that I would get... every. This is a secret, a secret truth here, that at every race at the moment I start, I go, oh, you know what? I don't really want Bowles to win this one. <laughs> I think Bowles have won enough. But then they win it in such interesting and excellent style. And I can't help but be happy for Guan Yue every time. But they win it in such interesting and excellent and hardworking style that at the end I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that was a great race. You know, I'm not... I would have thought that at this point I'd be like, I'm a bit bored by now. Well, you know, think, let's think, have let's have a different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, I think for me, it comes back to exactly what you were saying earlier, where as a team, they have this sort of ideal and commitment to the ideal of everyone winning something. And so, you know, to me, it never gets really formulaic or or boring because, you know, sometimes it's Lizzie, sometimes it's Megan, sometimes it's someone else. You know, like like you, you get this great range of of styles and stories and narratives and and whatever and and so i honestly am not minding it like i i I mean all of that said i'm i'm a bit mystified by it like like it's defying logic a bit like Mm. but at the same time i'm not complaining about it like i'm not bored of it or anything i'm i'm excited yeah, yeah, and, and I never thought, and I mean, I like I say, Guanye has never had it handed easy on a plate. She has never been the rider that USA Cycling have really, really loved. You know, she's yeah. never been, she's never had an easy road. And we talked about this last week that that Guan, that's why why I'm why I'm a big fan of Guanye. And so yeah, and she rides so clever, and she and against all the odds, and it's like yeah, they just rode clever. They didn't have the strongest team. They, you know, it was a race that suited her perfectly. She's on a fantastic form, but she didn't have that race easy either. You know, like there was there was there was yeah, there was some you know, Elisa Longo Bilgini, for example. If Elisa had won, she would have been a fantastic worthy winner. If Elena, yeah. if Elena Amielusic had won, she would have been a fantastic worthy winner. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would have, I did have a secret desire to see like a. A breakaway of like Eleanor Cecchini and and Danny King and yeah, Katie yeah. Hall and uh, oh, let's oh. say Caroline McCannowell <laughs> and Free yes. Waller. Oh, how would that, that have been? Yeah, if, you know, that, that, that would, would be, be awesome. my ideal. That would be my ideal yeah. script breaking. Or you know, you know, my personal favorite, which is just Tiff Cromwell going out for a solo from the start and just you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we're gonna see. I think those. No, days no, are I don't think we'll see that again either. But my point is, you know, I, and mostly I think it's because I. You know, when she did it for that Giro Rosa stage, I, um, I, I basically posited my theory that she basically, 
you know, like sang songs to herself and stuff the whole way. And I've never really been able to let go of that image. It just entertains me so much. I have no idea how true or untrue it is. I suspect wildly untrue. But okay. for some reason, that's 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 my romantic notion of a long solo breakaway. Yeah. So other race. So the other race that was live on Sunday, the other road race was the Kukensvan Lommel Ladies Classic. The first time this has been a race at UCI level in the Lotto Cycling Cup. It's also known as the Zweed Kemse Classic, and it's also known as Herselt because, of course, it is. And this had a kind of interesting feel. The big setup was um, Jolene Dora versus Mariana Voss as the kind of big race. Oh, sorry, I got it wrong earlier in the day. I said that Lucy Garner broke her ribs in America, but she didn't. Lucy Garner crashed in the first lap of this and broke and broke some mm. ribs. And I'm gutted for Lucy because Lucy really, really, really wants to do well in the Aviva Women's Tour next week on yeah. her home soil. Oh, gutted. But no, this had um, Yoni Dora, Amy Peters, uh, Chloe Hosking in there. They, for Wiggle High Five, they had Flirtia Mackay and um, uh, leading up the Fantastic Lift Plan Tour team. They had Elise Del, Del Zen um, and lots of good riders in Lotto Sudal. Orica AIS, quite, you know, um, Rach Nalen, Lauren Roney, Sarah Roy. Um, it's, it's interesting because you look at that team and the Rabo Live team that where it's very flat. It's like loopy, loopy, flat race. The Rabo Live team, they only you could have up to eight, right, seven or eight riders in this one, I think. Mm. Um, but Rabo Live, they only had five, and it was very much their um, how to put it development side, except for Mariana <laughs> Voss, because it was Talita de Jong, uh, Monique Teneglo, Anuska Costa, who is like best young rider most of the time in lots of races, and Jean Corovar. And for Rabo Live, that is their, um, uh, that's, well, their... Know, that's, that's their younger, you know, up and coming team. You know, yeah, it's... yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but with Mariana Voss. Um, Tons of attacking, really Belgian racing, you know, tons of attacking all the way through. I think every single Rabo Live rider had attacked uh, and got into breakaways um, all the way through the race at one point and, and multiple times and gone off on solo flyers and just been really, really aggressive. And I was like, shit, I kind of, this could be quite embarrassing if they don't win this race. <laughs> <laughs> because they were working and working and working and they were just like tons of different, you know, it's like one of those typical, the course isn't that exciting but the racing is kind of it's yeah, continually changing yeah. they have a separate exciting thing and they kind of went towards the end where um, i think it was jean Corvar jean Coravar had attacked solo for rabo live in the final kilometers and then for some they wouldn't let the moto cameras go into the like from kilometer three through to about 500 meters and with what's been going on with cycling recently, with cameras taking out riders and things yeah. like bike motos taking out riders, I can't really complain to it. But there's something hilarious about when you're watching the race, watching the race, watching the race in the finale, and then it clips to the kind of middle-aged man yeah. <laughs> telling yeah. you what was going on. It was super weird, you know, cutting away to the dude in the commentary booth with his commentary headset on, commentating like a motherfucker, which, you know, great job, but... It was Apparently just... he was hilarious. Like all the all the Dutch, all the Dutch speaking people were like, "What the fuck is this man? He's hilarious." And I have no idea why. Like no, I don't it, know whether he looked, was rubbish or he was good, good. Or I like the way he kept making eye contact with the camera and then looking meaningfully at the at his monitor as if he was trying to subtly, you know, communicate with the director. Like fucking cut to the cut. You know, all I know is 
that I'm listening to the commentary and even I know enough Dutch to be able to work out, you know, 300 meters. And <laughs> I'm going, I get that the finish line camera hits the corner. Like the corner for the finish straight is at about 150 meters. I get they're not there yet, but for fuck's sake, cut to that camera now. <laughs> I, just, I, I would rather look at an empty road for 150 meters than this dude. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't work out how he was seeing it because he was definitely seeing it, but they wouldn't, I, I yeah. don't get it. I think it was maybe a motorbike that was broken or something. Yeah, but I, I think anyway. it was the one, you know how when they switched between cameras, there was one that was like normal sort of definition. There was one that was yeah. broken up. So I'm assuming it was that one that actually had the leaders of the race. And So that's the one that they put into the leaders of the race because when they hit around the corner at the end, it was a group of six. They kind of went from a solo rider, I think, or maybe two riders, to a group of six, clip around the corner, this group of six coming charging to the line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can see there's Yodin Dora there, there's Fletcher Mackay there, but in the lead and winning the race and sprinting like she fucking owns it and back where she belongs was Marianne Voss. <laughs> Oh, isn't it gorgeous to yeah, see Mariana yeah. Voss doing her Mariana Voss thing? I <sighs> it was it was really nice to to I mean you know obviously she's she's had a couple of other wins um, since she's been back, but it's it's nice to see uh, her you know getting a. Uh, Okay, so it's not the most competitive sprint of the season or anything, but it was a competitive sprint. When you look at who else, you know, I mean, look, we've got Sarah Roy in second, Sarah Mastonen, um, Leakin, I assume is the... Yeah. yeah um, in third, Yolene Dora in fourth, Lottie Kopecky in fifth, Flirty Mackay in sixth. Like, like... Even that's a that's a tough group to sprint yeah, like, like exactly. Even though we know that's not necessarily the best sprinters of the peloton, that's a no, no, those sprint. are still those are that's, still those are still that's a fucking solid sprinting peloton. That's a fucking solid sprinting group. And and what I really wanted to know is what happened in that in that bit that we couldn't see because yeah. it was a bit of a like you said you said to me when you saw it, it was a bit of a messy sprint. It wasn't like a yeah, it wasn't. I, it wasn't the. I think. Sprint. I mean, it's not like anything bad happened, but it just. It, it just. You know, it came around the corner, and there's like those six, and and they're all sort of. It's not even that they were positioned up on each other. It was all. I don't know. It just looked weird. It just didn't. I think one of them had attacked. I think what had happened is one of them had attacked. Yeah. Um, and they were just and they were scrabbling to take to get there. And I don't know whether it was that Voss attacked and the others were scrabbling behind her, or Flutie Mackay attacked. Because I, you know, I would expect her to be higher in that group or Flirty Mackay attacked in a last ditch do or die and was caught by those riders. Yeah. But yeah, it was Voss first, Sarah Roy second, Mustin and Lycan third, Dora fourth, Kopecky fifth. Lottie Kopecky is one of those amazing young riders who's uh, had a re- was really, really super strong as a junior. And this is her third year as a pro. She's, you know, as, 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 a, as, a, as a kind of pro. She's 19, um, turns 19 this year, in fact. So she's, no, that can't be right. She's a third year in a pro. Sorry, she turns 21 this year. Sorry, she's, yes, she turns 21 this year. So she's, she's, she's kind of, again, it's like a nice young rider developing, which is fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, a group of a big, 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 big bunch finishing three seconds behind them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and that's also, I guess, an indication of how close the whole thing overall was in terms of, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, we had a very clear, you know, six sort of top sprinters for the finish, but it was it was a pretty close thing in that whole thing. And I, I can only surmise 
you know, I, I think your read on that race is is right, that there was some attempt at a, a bit of a break, that it was hastily brought back together, that there was a quick counterattack that turned into a sprint or, or whatever. But something like that has to have happened in my mind yeah. to explain what we did get to see. Either yeah, way, yeah. either way, it was heaps of fun. So so much fun. And if you want to see it, we've got videos for that. We've got the whole thing, but also the highlights clip on our site, prowomenscycling.com. We've got the entire of the Philadelphia Classic and the entire of the Life Slap and the highlights. Go to our site, prowomenscycling.com, and then you can see all these videos because um, they're great. It was great racing this weekend. Um, we also had the... the uh, Fort William mountain bike... Let's just finish road for road first. Okay. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Because we had the Gatineau races in, in oh, Canada, yeah, uh, which yep. are always always good fun. This is like the end of the middle of the, this little mini North American season, um, where Kimber's Wells, Kimberly Wells, Doctor Kimberly Wells of um, Colavita, she's out in the in North America racing uh, racing North American summer one, ahead of Joel Newmanville in second and Leah Kirkman in third. Um, in a bunch of sprints with some really lovely pictures of her going crazy with 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 fizzy wine on the podium which yeah. i always love and then in the chrono gatineau which is 19.3 k just to add some more drama to the who's going to get the pick for the olympics amber nebin won it um more drama who gets to pick the olympics with tara canada because tara witten was second tara witten had literally taken off her neck brace from her hideous neck accident one week before so this was witten's first Ooh. race of the season and she came second uh cat and caroline canwell third and lauren stevens um usa rider for tipco in fourth joelle newmanville in fifth leah kirchman in sixth uh, the Canadian national championships are going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, it's actually, I mean, when we talk North American racing or American racing, we, you know, we talk a lot about US, but there are, you know, some fantastic Canadian riders who are doing really well in Europe and in the US scene. And I think, you know, Canadian road racing is actually on a real upswing at the moment. And so I agree. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really interesting national championship. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Fort William World Cup, down yep. the World Cup. Oh, my God, the crowds for that were insane. Oh, absolutely insane. Uh, I mean, obviously, you follow the whole thing a lot closer than I do. So I, I trust you to to talk us through exactly how it came out. But I saw Rachel Atherton's helmet cam from her run. And it was astounding to me. I mean, Fort Williams always... You know, uh, look, honestly, there's no downhill mountain bike that looks bad. Like, it's all fucking gorgeous. It's just... It's all, all gorgeous, it's, isn't it? It makes you want to go to that place. Oh, it's, it's just... sickeningly so. Like, it's it's just so gross. Everywhere's fucking beautiful. I hate and it. And the photos, you know, they always have... Every photo you take is like of a yeah. rider, like, turning some corner with some gorgeous mountain... I mean, in mountain I know, bike, like... obviously, some gorgeous mountain scenery behind yeah, her. yeah. Just, just oh. amazing. And then the crowds, the crowd. So that's it. Normally, like you say, the crowds from from Fort William and and what stood out for me from Rachel's run with the helmet cam was towards the end. So that that whole video is like just under six minutes long, and somewhere around the four minute fifty or five minute mark, she sort of gets to the end near the end of the run, and she's, she's not. No, it's, it's it's not near the end because the end comes down to this enormous bowl stadium that's completely oh, sorry. rammed. I, I like, just I like, just like the end, end in terms of the whole length of the video, not yeah. no, 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 can't, yeah, yeah. That, that, can that, just, so, so, so the end 
the, 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 the commentators were talking about it actually felt more like being at a music festival than a sports event. Yeah, it was insane. Like, like it, it was, was so just... loud that like you, all you can hear is crowd, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like. I don't know. It's like it's like she rode into a a noise forest. Room it was a little forest. Yeah, yeah. I think like, it was a bit where I think it was a bit of forest where where fans yeah, weren't yeah. allowed to go but, to. But the the thing that was amazing was to me from an audio point of view the transition like that that sound of the crowd fades away and then all of a sudden all you can hear is the bike and Rachel's breath. And it's a really visceral thing to hear because you've seen this stunning, you know, run and obviously she's working hard. But then to hear that sort of thing, it's a very visceral indicator of how hard she's working and how hard this this effort is. And like, I just I mean, I know we talk about helmet cam a lot for all sorts of reasons, but I really loved that part of that video. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, our friend Annika was um, actually at the race. I saw her on the video. It's so exciting. Um, And she's saying that what she found really exciting was how fast they go in real life, but also how amazing it is that they can hear you. I mean, the the funny thing was that you could hear people go, Rachel! (laughs) It kind of of tails off into the distance. But you definitely can. And there's parts of the course where, there's parts of the course where the men were hitting like 57, 58 kph on on the motorway section. You know, like that is some serious fucking speed. But you could, you you know, but obviously there's like bits where they slow down, where they're going through the technical sections, the rock gardens and there's also bits where you can't carry that speed over the jumps because it's just you know it, you'll just you'll just hit it too far. you have to kind of you have to kind of manage how 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 and where you go fast and mountain biking is all adrenaline and fort william if you know scotland in the summer you expect scotland in the summer to live somewhere on a continuum that says absolutely shitting down with rain on one side possibly snowing through to <laughs> low cloud and low low cloud so you can't see anything and just being wet all the time like like there's no that's that's the continuum so to see fort william in this bone dry baking <laughs> sunshine was, was something was like a bit weird they said it's, they've never had a dry a, a fort william that that dry before like yeah, normally it's yes. like thunder clouds rushing over the over yeah. the so yeah so i did think about i did feel sorry for all the scottish fans with their pale skin <laughs> getting um well, getting very 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 sunburnt yeah. and very 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 dry drunk <laughs> not not to moan too much but i know where all the water was at that point in time it was washing away a whole bunch of our beaches so uh, okay. i know climate change is real people i don't give a fuck what yeah 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 exactly no no i mean yeah it's if, if you don't yeah climate change holy shit it's not supposed to be sunny in fort william um although they did still have snow on the mountains so it was an interesting race because uh tiny seagrave one of the top contenders had really she's done something bad to her elbow and she was and and this is a very difficult very long course like so she 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 did some of the practice runs she pulled out she kind of went through the gate for the quali run and then pulled out but she didn't actually race the race the finals and one of the reasons was was if she crashed on it she'd have to have massive 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 operations and it's problematic for them because the next round of the downhill world cup is this weekend in leo gang so if you miss fort william you can watch their gang live this weekend awesome. it's going to be awesome um but but that means you know but it's that kind of thing where when the round's so close together that if you're out you're it's 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 a real problem and one of the other big top names tiny sea uh, so man on carpenter had been sick the week before and it's like oh no but um 
so Manon so Manon had qualified fastest, but Rach had fallen in the in the in, in the, the wood section. Yep, yep. In the qualifying, so it was like, oh, this is this is really 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 interesting. Um, and yeah, so then we have the then we so so we kind of looking at it. Rach, uh, Tracy Hannah has an incredible run, really really fast, fantastic Australian Tracy Hannah. Yep. Rach comes down and blows that out of the water, and then we look at Manon. But Manon, in that typical go hard or go home, crashes in the woods section, completely comes off her bike, has to get back on, still manages to finish third, but so much drama. Oh, and I mean, look, drama is a big part of what you want. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so beautiful racing fantastic media head over rach was very very happy because she had never won a sword before and she won a sword this time so yeah it was quite an emotional day because uh one of the mainstays of the mount one of the really brilliant legendary mountain bikers stevie smith the canadian cyclist had died um in Mm, a motorbike yeah yeah and this was the first race the downhill family had kind of come together at after Stevie Smith died. So there was a lot of emotion on the day and you could hear it with like Rob Warner, but especially Claudio Caluri, the, the commentator, was very, very having a very emotional time at times. And you know, they had lot they had lots and lots of memorials to Steve Smith throughout the weekend. But they had a in the middle of the men's race, they had a silent a completely silent run. Yep. Where he should have been. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was a really like especially when you've got crowds that size being silent. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, also, I think conceptually, that's just like a really beautifully fitting tribute as well. Yeah, you just saw when you're watching this, you know, the cameras just panning around like they would be following him where he was. It was very, it was very moving. And mm. it was a very, and, and you know, downhill is quite a, you know, it's quite a small scene. And, and they, they kind of travel to these amazing places together. And they do lots of partying after, you know, they party after the races and, and they know each other. And they and they're a very, they're very, you know, like, the Athertons are literally a family. The Hannahs are literally a family. You know, they're very yeah, yeah. sport and, and, you know, kind of found family. There's a lot of, there's a lot of man love between the male riders. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you see a lot of, you see a lot of this kind of, you know, we're, we're super manly and now we're giving each other big cuddles. And yeah, know, well, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. Like, like you travel together, you race together, you know, you, to a certain extent live together. And, yeah, and so like there is a really strong sort of, yeah, exactly. And and one of the top riders dies like mm. a real a yeah. real shocker and you know, anyway. So that was interesting. So yeah, if, um all the videos on our site, prowomencycling.com. Um I've got more videos. I we just saw today the fantastic video of um of Anamir's uh-huh. <laughs> racing, racing a, a Porsche, Porsche. Yeah. a Porsche Boxster. Yeah. Which Okay, so yeah, it was a it was a setup for a I'm air quoting current affairs show, like it's not a proper current affairs show, um, but you know, but it's still kind of cool and it's fun and yeah, so watch it because you know it's nice. She outsprints a fucking Porsche, so like yeah, um, it's I mean if they outsprint from a kind of idling start, yeah. she outsprints over eighty meters, yeah, <laughs> like her. Yeah. She can get up to the top speed faster than the Porsche. But, but you know, that was the that was the that was a deal. Like you know, who can get from thirty k to sixty faster? And she won, and she won by several lengths. So you know, go Anna. And and look, in terms of um, a profile piece that raises the profile of cycling in Australia, women's cycling in Australia, and heading into the Olympics, I'm you know fucking great. Go yes, 
good. Yes. Um, other things I like this week, the UCI has just announced that they're offering scholarships again for the second year, seven scholarships to women who want to uh, attend the director sportif course Which is awesome. in November. Really, really good. Last year, um, uh, Luce Honowijk did it and she's now being, you know, being an assistant DS for Orica AI, Orica AIS. Yep. So, you know, if you know a former pro woman who's who or a woman who used to race who wants to do it, then send it her way because, oh, my God. Absolutely. Um, um, one, I, well, I was going to mention just one thing I enjoyed a lot. Um, SBS's Zella portal, which is their, their women's sport portal, had a really interesting article about women's sport sponsorship um it doesn't touch on cycling directly but i found it really interesting because it talks about um a couple of major businesses here including one of our largest banks and um and how much value they place on on their engagement with women's sport and um and then one of the other stories that i found really interesting was a mining company who for them their contribution actually stopped being about you know, they're a mining company. They At one point in the article, they say they literally have at most 12 customers. So it's not like a sponsorship was going to do much for them in terms of, um, you know, attracting business or whatever. What they found and the reason they pursued it was because it had such a positive impact on staff morale. Yeah. And that was a really interesting thing to me. And, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that article. Yeah. Um, article I didn't enjoy the um the, the the allocations for the Olympic BMX came out and while you should be super happy in Australia, uh-huh. Britain is sending no women to Rio in BMX to join their no women in Rio in mountain biking. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I've I've made this joke before and and I'm not even making it as a joke now. It's like the best thing that I can say about it is simply that British cycling is consistent. Um you know, but like that's you know, that's not a fucking excuse anymore. Like this is that's just bullshit. Someone said to me, "Yeah, but you know their best riders are junior, so she couldn't." Get so, and I'm like, I can't believe. So I live in Bristol. There's a fairly strong skate, um, fairly strong skate community, and if I go down to this BMX to the skate park, I'm going to see girls on skateboards. I'm going to yeah. see girls on BMXs. It just is what it is. It's not like they're unicorns, but also British Cycling is one of the richest cycling federations in the world. We had one of the most successful BMX riders in Sinead's Reed. How the fuck have we not managed to get a BMX rider? How the fuck have we not managed to get a mountain bike rider? It doesn't yeah, make any sense. Yeah, exactly. um, and it's well, I mean, like, with mountain like bike, population. we do... Sorry, I was just going to say, it's not like population-wise you're a tiny country either. So. No, and especially when countries like Thailand can qualify yeah. for the... You know what I mean? Like, uh, Colombia is not a very, is not like the massively... Ri- you know, Mariana Pajon being, you know, is amazing. But, but you know, it's not like they're... Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, mm. it's it's just it's just annoying. Um, um, yeah, so... I mean, the other thing that's really, really annoying about it is, is you look at it and you go, okay, so no mountain bike, no, um, no, uh, no BMX. Um, obviously, we didn't qualify for the team sprint through similar things to mountain bike, actually, because we do actually have a talent in mountain bike. It's just that they decided to send all the young mountain bikers to race road in the spring instead of going to mountain bike races where they could have picked up points. Yeah. Um, and then with the with the road race yeah well we've got three spots at road well yes but we should have four 
and all of our three spots from road are basically off the back of all of Lizzie Armitstead's points in the same way as Sweden's points are all off the back of Emma Johansson's points. Yeah, yeah. You know, and South Africa's are all the back of Ashley Moon and Passio's. You know, we shouldn't be celebrating that because that's literally a one rider thing. Yeah. And obviously the British cycling drama that started came off the back of the team sprint not qualifying. So it's like yeah. the only thing that the only the only part of, of women's racing that British cycling can really show off about for Rio is the team pursuit in the Omnium. Mm, mm. Like, like it's just, it's just not, it's just not good enough. Well, and, and I think the thing that I would find frustrating were I British, and I can only assume how frustrating it must be for you, is that it's also, that's a wildly inaccurate reflection of the state of British women's cycling. Like, yeah. this is the thing. It's not for lack of... I mean, okay, so in specific disciplines, there might need to be work done or juniors may need opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise get or whatever. But across the whole range of things, it's not like there aren't women who can ride and race at these levels. Well, you know what's, you know what's fascinating about mountain bike and BMX is that when you look at, when you look at their, the, the, the nearest disciplines to them, so mountain bike, obviously downhill, enduro... Um, cross-country mountain bike you can either look at it and go well with there's downhill there's enduro there's cyclocross um that you know bmx you can look at you go well there's four cross because there's a lot of crossover between four cross riders and and you're like well okay so katie curd was on has been an amazing four cross rider Mm. um in downhill and enduro they are absolutely fucking dominated by british women like 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 tracy mosley um has is semi-retired only rode one enduro world to uh, into enduro world series race and completely destroyed it yeah like we, we we are having three british women on in the top three in, on the top three in mountain bike down and downhill mountain bike you know all the time and this this weekend we just had three in the top you know three in the top four two three in the top four do you know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah. not like it's not like british women don't ride mud yeah exactly in cyclocross we've got helen wyman we've yeah. got um we've got nikki we've got nikki harris we've got yep. it's it's so it's it's kind of like the interesting thing is in the sister disciplines the ones where british cycling isn't involved we're fantastic at and we're like absolutely dominant but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's um, mm, it's yeah, um, exactly. It's it's just a weird conundrum, and it doesn't make sense. And and honestly, and again, I guess you know maybe this is a little bit unfair, but honestly, I'm past giving a fuck about that. You know, to me, I, British cycling has to be held accountable for this because this is clearly a systemic failure on their part. You know, it's mm. not a lack of talent. It's not a lack of opportunity. It's not a lack of being able to put bodies up for for the available positions. It's it's something else, and that is an institutional problem. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, look. Um. I mean, we've we've covered a lot, and before we go, I want us to end on a happier note. So I was going to mention. Um. I know. I know um you're a big fan there's a really nice review of um what goes around by emily chapel over on podium cafe yeah uh, if you don't know if you haven't read the book emily chapel is uh, it was a bike courier who's written this amazing book about by her bike courier life she also does round the world solo bike adventures she also sets up the adventures in syndicate i am a big fan of emily chapel she is awesome she is just fantastic and intelligent and funny and and Oh my god, amazing! And so I loved her book. I interviewed her about it a while back. But Fergal Mackay has interviewed it on, has done a, a has reviewed the book over on Podium Cafe, and it's lovely. Um, it's a lovely review. Um, go and read it because if then then go and buy Emily's book because yeah. it's it's called yeah. it Goes Around. Um, Emily is currently out in the states, I think, where she's um 
like supporting a rider through the Trans Am bike race, which is a, uh, a a kind of you start on the on the west coast of Americal and you finish on the east coast of Americal. And it's um, currently it's men and women, it's ITTers and teams and stuff, but it's currently being led by a woman, Sarah Hammond. Nice, nice. So well, yeah, um, so all those dudes. Uh, where is she? She's somewhere in Idaho right now. Um, yeah, she's kind of. She, she let's see, let's see if we can find her. This is where I can't. I can't use the tracker, but there's a tracker <laughs> that you can watch. But she's um, she's she's uh, she's she's raced. She's 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 kind of um, at route mile one thousand and fifty four. Wow. Okay. Well, there we go. Early early days is. There's about another three thousand miles to go, I think. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um yeah she's it's but if you want to follow the uh, Transam race, if you go to trackleaders.com/transam16, uh, you can see you can see that you can just see it there, and it it will give you all the kind of um you can kind of like get confused. It is I did get a little bit confused because some riders, uh, most of the riders ride um west to east, but there are a couple of riders riding east to west. So I'm like I don't understand, Emily. Yeah. They don't get it. Yeah, and Emily okay. was very nice and explained to me that yeah, that there are a couple of riders who are who are doing it the other way round. But right. no, Sarah Hammond's leading. Well, very, very cool. Um, look, before we go, as always, uh, you can support Sarah and the fantastic work that she does via patreon.com slash women's cycling and please do uh because you know it's it's uh a simple way to make a big difference to the overall coverage of the sport uh you can also um argue with sarah and i about our interpretation of the finale of philadelphia or any of the other races via twitter uh sarah is at underscore pigeons underscore i am at underscore pigeons underscore and at dan w official damn it um <laughs> yeah thanks for for hanging out with us uh we've got some really exciting racing coming up and lots and lots that we'll be we'll be covering in the near future one of the things that i think we're both very much looking forward to is the aviva women's tour is just around oh, the corner i'm gonna not be there this year because i'm going to be doing the tv commentary so please please cross fingers and wish me all the luck in the world because i'm a little bit nervous about it but that said, she's going to do a fantastic job and be utterly pro, and you're going to be very proud that you heard about it here first. Um, it's it's going to be a really exciting race. They've released the the rider list, and it's going to be amazing. The professional start list yeah, yeah. is awesome. Like it's just got it's 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 going to be very interesting seeing how riders like um, how riders who've come straight off America do. But there yeah. are so. But basically, Mariana Voss, um, Emma Johansson, Elisa Longovolgini, Lizzie Armistead um all kinds of wonderful riders emma pooley leading up a team for great britain yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be special this it's, one it's it's gonna it's be a gonna really be... really exciting race i mean uh, we know now from history that um the viva women's tour is always a fantastic event with great engagement of um the communities that the each stage is held in and around and and that sort of thing but it, it this year is going to be special it's going to be excellent so really looking mm-hmm. forward to it excellent well um yeah well, thank you for listening and yeah we'll talk to you soon i'm excited we all are Ha, 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 ha.